You're listening to Vet Candy. This show is brought to you by Brave Paws Anxiety and Stress Support Chewables for Dogs, Thunderstorms, Vet Visits, Fireworks, Separation Anxiety, and more. Every day can be a Brave Paws day. Check out mybravepaws.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Vet Candy IRL, and I'm your host, Shannon Gregoire. So if you've been in the media recently, you've been noticing that there was a certain veterinary clinic um, that's received a quite a bit of negative press lately over a certain situation, um, and they got a lot of negative media attention from this. Um, there was a lot of cyberbullying. There was a lot of, you know, hate and death threats um, all over social media toward this veterinary clinic. We don't ever want that to happen to anyone else. Um, and I know a lot of clinics and a lot of veterinarians are terrified that, you know, something like this could blow up in their face because of one interaction with a client. So um, today I'm bringing you a fantastic resource and we're going to work with you to um, build a toolkit and some things that you should have ready as a doctor or as um, support staff in your clinic to have ready for any type of um, media interaction or, you know, any type of situation that needs to be properly handled. Um, so please help me welcome Dr. Eric Fishgrun of Fish Tank PR. Hi, Eric. Hi, good, uh, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the program. And thanks for giving me the doctor title. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm going to sniff that and uh, put it on my own website. It sounded nice. So sorry, Mr. Eric Fishgrun. It's just a uh, <laughs> kind of a second nature thing with all the guests I have on the show. <laughs> um, no, but tell us a little bit about like your background and Fish Tank and what you guys do. I've worked in corporate communications and media relations, uh, as well as just broader marketing for the last 14 and a half years. I started at a, a couple of PR firms, moved in-house, and then I started my own PR firm, Fish Tank PR, eight and a half years ago. We specialize in clean tech, sustainability, B2B technologies, professional services, uh, real estate. And um, you know, I think, I guess I should share, providing mostly corporate communications counsel uh, and media relations. So press release writing development, driving media coverage for client announcements. We manage a lot of social media feeds for our, for our client brands, really a full, ga- full gamut of uh, corporate comms. I think, you know, for today's discussion, the crises can arise at, at any time and they more often than not catch people by surprise, uh, which is what which is what makes them a crisis. If, if, it, if it was expected, then hopefully there would be a plan in place, but often there isn't. I've worked with a number of brands over the years who face communications and media issues, deserved and undeserved. I've seen um, the impact that it can have, but I've also seen how you know, preparation and approach uh, can really mitigate these situations. Um, so definitely excited about having uh, having this discussion with you today. And thanks, for, thanks again for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much. So it's definitely a crisis isn't a crisis if you have a plan, which is what we're going to try to help people um, work through today. So um, maybe let's start with, you know, what are the big, maybe five things or so that a clinic should have a plan for or a step-by-step process when some sort of negative media or negative interaction happens on some sort of outlet? One, there should be a general process or chain of command or decision maker 
who is the you know, proverbial face of the organization or the spokesperson or the decision maker when it comes to that, you know, that function. And there should be someone who's identified really as the number two. So if someone's on vacation for a week, you're not going to run into a big issue. Having that person responsible eliminates the hot potato or the, you know, the likelihood of someone or of a company or excuse me, just deciding to not participate or not get back to, to journalists or to social media attacks or whatever it is. Number two, I would say the most important thing is to consider response time. You know, as we were discussing earlier, we were just getting to know each other. Had this clinic responded in the first 12 or 24 hours uh, with a like assertive and transparent statement, even if they took some, you know, took some grief from that, it would have made it much less likely to be reported on by numerous other media outlets. And it would have it would have limited the footprint of the story. And that would have resulted in less noise, likely on their social media pages. Who knows what their inbox looks like? You know, the different the different practitioners there could be receiving, um, you know, individual emails and phone calls. Like all of these things happen, unfortunately. So response time to transparency, again, I guess that's really part of my last question, but you got to give some sort of uh, coherent response and something that, you know, shows compassion, even if the the business in this case, the clinic is not at fault at all and is being uh, maliciously attacked or something along those lines, give facts and, and show sensitivity because we are talking about pets here. And, you know, I'm a dog lover and like I think about I, I think about my dog all all, all day long, and uh, well, and he, and he doesn't leave me alone. You know, I'm I'm sensitive when you know when it comes to uh, taking them to the vet or if there's an, ever any concerns, things of that nature. So, you know, know know your audience, but but definitely be responsive and transparent. For and this is a real something that I do think that your listeners could have a takeaway from. A lot of people, a lot of small businesses in general, not just clinics, but small businesses in general. They don't have ready access to their website. If you're getting tons of site traffic because people are submitting nasty comments or media requests, if your site goes down, you know you you want to be able to control that and have a pretty um, a pretty active again response time. Two, you could use it proactively and put a you know a letter to the public or like some sort of note on the front on the front page of the of the site and that would probably also be be something that the media cites which again helps you control the story five i would have a proactive strategy for social media and communications moving forward you know if you get all of a sudden 10 or 15 or 30 negative uh, reviews on google probably also have a ton of happy clients there are uh, prof- you know professional instructions for how to solicit reviews uh, and and I think that that would be a really good proactive strategy for any organization um, is that to then turn to their happy customers and you know don't ask for positive reviews don't ask for you know don't compensate them for reviews Google you know frowns on that as do most review services but I do think you have a clear opportunity to encourage people to leave non biased reviews that like are likely to be positive since they're a customer. Right, right. Yeah. So like if you if you had to, you know, tell us about your experience today, we hope to, you know, hear from you, you know, on our on our whatever Yelp or Google page, you know, if you want to express how your day went. So, you know, other people will know what to expect when coming here. That would be we'd really appreciate it. 
Yep, exactly. I mean, yeah, you you know, you clearly know, uh, Shannon, that there's appropriate ways to do it and inappropriate ways. But you know, these are all all of those. I did. I think I did hit five bullets there. Although I probably expanded a little bit on each one. You know, all of those are something that I think should be taken into account. And there's numerous ways to go about that. You can one take the time to do it. Which, if you're a, a small clinic, I think this is absolutely something that can be done in house. You don't need to hire a PR firm. You don't need to hire a full-time marketing person. This is something that you know administration, technicians, vets, ownership, principals, they can all be on the same page on even in a small even in a small group. And being able to do that, uh, like you know, obviously mitigates against something bigger. And now if you're a large organization and you're and you're worried about your employees being contacted by reporters and and like you know, more aggressive stuff, or if there's a lot of moving pieces, or you just don't have time to do it. You can hire local or national, you know, PR shops that have experience in this and can do more proactive media relations as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's those are all great ideas, depending on what size of the clinic, how big your clinic is and, you know, what your kind of capacity is for in-house um, extra duties, because we know everyone's so busy. So if you have to export it outside of the clinic, then um, definitely do that. But it's definitely it's possible to have a, a great plan in place for in-house procedure. Good. Yeah, no, ex- exactly. And, and uh, yeah, I think a lot of clinics are, you know, I think because of like the push on social media that most brands know they have to be there. Um, I do think that that small businesses are getting more cognizant of, of these things. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. This is Caitlin Palmer. You probably know me as the desk wench. You know, the sweet TikTok receptionist who has to deal with the evil Karen Stevens. Well, if you like that, you are going to love my new podcast, Desk Wench Confessions. On my show, I have funny guests who tell me about their own Karens. Plus, we have contests, giveaways, and skits. Trust me, you are going to love it. Check it out on a podcast platform of your choice on Vet Candy Radio. And do you think um, having an active presence on social media already aids in, you know, a crisis management situation because they you already have a, a long positive history so that when you get a negative incident, it's not like the only thing that people find about you, you know, they see all these other great positive things as well. And then they see a, res- a well-prepared um, response, empathetic and understanding response to a negative situation because a lot of times they're fueled by anger, miscommunication, and you know someone's hurt or in distress. So trying to step back and, and provide a response that's you know kind of level-headed and, <laughs> and understanding can go a long way. I think that most brands, especially when you're talking about clinics or vet clinics where like you guys just have the best visuals ever, right? Like my business is PR. My visuals are my client results when my clients are in the media. You guys have video, have photos and videos of, of puppies and kittens and cats and dogs and, and all sorts of stuff. It is much more likely that someone's going to, going to engage with a vet clinic, excuse me, than they are with you know, more of like a B2B services provider like like Fish Tank and, my, and myself. 
I think it's absolutely a good tool and it's just good for building, building like what we refer to as brand equity with your customers, with your consumers. You know, if, if you've got a, a page with hundreds or thousands of people on it, they're liking your page usually for a reason. It's not just going to be a bunch of ra- randoms. It's because they're either, they're either your customer slash clients or because they just love photo, cute photos of animals. And I, either way, you're going to be seen as more authentic. You used a great a phrase that I, or a term that I love talking about empathy. I think that's so important in modern business, um, especially just you know over the last couple of years, how everything has changed. I think it creates a more human persona for the brand. And again, that's a good way to mitigate against you know, really difficult online attacks. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we saw this incident um, really escalate because there was, you know, someone was going to provide a response, but they didn't provide a response. So then, you know, the story just kind of runs wild without you being able to say anything. So do you have any um, pointers for that first, you know, initial communication on how you should format that? Um, Even if you don't really know what you want your response to be yet, because you're still talking to your PR or whatever, what should be in that initial comment? First comment should definitely be recognizing the issue and the steps that you're taking to address it. Like for me, you know, in a, in a situation like this, like the, you know, the first thing I cared about when I heard the story was obviously like, is the dog okay? So that's something that you would want to make very clear to everyone because look, per, disagreements over whether it's over, you know, money or service or time like those are always going to happen. But when you're talking about like mm. the care of an animal, like let's lead with that, right? Because that's what 90% of the people care about. Um, and then from there address that, you know, you're taking the, the issue or the challenge seriously. These are the steps and that you're going to provide an update shortly because that, 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 that will temporarily kill the story again, as long as you follow up on it. Without comment, a story is one-sided and never-ending sometimes never ending. And then with your updated um, response, is there a good time frame that you should have that ready for as well? Like within, you know, how many business days or something like that? You brought up a good question that, or a good topic that like I can give more practical advice. When a journalist reaches out, hi, so-and-so, I'm from KXY TV, and, you know, wherever. You know, I'm working on a story like because of these, you know, this allegations or this issue, or I read this. If he or she, the journalist, doesn't otherwise indicate in their email to you or their call, your first question should be, "When is when is your deadline?" And then that creates a timeline for for the clinic to work on. If the reporter reaches out at three o'clock and says it's going on in the five o'clock news, that sucks. But that's also but that's also life, right? Like. In that instance, you got to get something together in the next couple hours. Maybe it's, well, I'm going to be working on this tomorrow and it's going to air tomorrow night on the five o'clock news. That gives you 26 hours. So you know you want to be able to control your fate and it's very, it's very fair. Journalists will, good journalists and local journalists will respond to that almost every single time. Well, that's good to know. I wouldn't have had ever thought of actually asking what their deadline was. So that's a good point. We do it all the time um, with, with during, like that standard operating procedure when we're doing proactive media relations. Like if one of my, like right now today, one of our clients raised, you know, like $50 million as series B and we did the, obviously the media relations for it. And they're going to be, they're going to be 
featured in you know Reuters, Business Insider, and a handful of other store uh, uh, top tier publications. When we were working with the, those publications earlier this week and last week to set up those stories, right when the reporter gets back to us and is like, "Yeah, I'm interested in in writing on this. When can we set up an interview?" The very first thing we say is, "What is your deadline? How can we help you? How can we help you meet your editorial needs here?" Because it just shows that we're willing to work with the reporter. And I think that lesson is very transferable in that reporters are not out. It's not always like a gotcha. There are certain investigative journalists that'll do that. But if you're running a clean business, that is not going to happen often. So working uh, with reporters to give them what they need, including your perspective, is the best way out of any jam. Do you have certain steps, like how you format your response as well? Like when you're going through like, what kind of things that you always try to include in general in a response to um, some sort of negative press or situation going on? If it is something that a, a brand's being accused of that like truthfully they're not they're not responsible for, I do think that that's very important for that case to be made, but it needs to be made not in like a well, we didn't do it someone like it needs to just it needs to be cordial like you know, hey, you know, Jane Smith, the reporter from KXY TV, whatever I said before, like, Jane, I appreciate you reaching out first before, like, publishing anything. Like, we actually have nothing to do with this issue. This issue is actually between the two other parties. Um, I would encourage, I would encourage you to, like, like, reach out to them so you can get the full story. If that, again, if that's true, then you're doing them a favor. You're 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 planting the seed, but also like assertively the correct seed that you're not part of the story. Now, if they come back to you and they say, "Well, it happened on your property, so we're going to need a comment," then you got to then you got to give a comment. But it, they might say, "Like, I really appreciate the context," and that'll get like that will that can also get total removal or kill a story. It is a bad idea to respond in an attacking way. We talked about empathy and compassion. Obviously, for we're talking about pet owners here but you know saying this guy's a lunatic he was screaming in the office like he owes us three thousand dollars you know ask him where his three thousand dollars is like something like that that's not gonna that's not gonna earn, earn you any friends because then the segment the, you know whatever the media event is is going to reflect that you know sometimes people fixate on the finances of the situation which you know I would say the majority of the time, any bad press with a veterinary clinic has to do with some, you know, certain financial situation. Um, but you don't really want to make it your response focused on that portion. How do you address or mention that, you know, it was due to financial constraints, but in a way that doesn't, you know, necessarily paint the pet owner in a bad position or the veterinary clinic because they obviously need to pay the people who are trying to feed their families that work there, but you know, they can't do everything for free. That's just not possible. But then how do they not, you know, paint the pet parent in a bad light because, you know, they can't afford such and such amount. I think the, as again, like behind the scenes, you do want to like the best way obviously to mitigate it is to come to some sort of agreement or a payment plan or, you know, that's given. I think you articulate that. We completely understand the public's attention, like to this topic, like, you know, we deal with pet owners every day and our pet owners ourselves. Um, so we understand it's a sensitive topic. We are currently working 
with the, like, or, you know, say, of course, the dog is doing com- completely fine and being cared for. And we are working closely with the owner, you know, to, to figure out like a new process, a, a, a process to return. You could probably, you could probably find a way. And like, obviously I'm sort of spitballing here, but you could probably find a way to say, sometimes our services or sometimes our services for dogs or for animals go uncompensated. Um, and in situations like that, like we do everything we can to work closely with uh, our customers to get caught up and make sure that they're like, you know, that their pet continues to be cared for. We'll be right back with more vet candy. fur babies so much. But when they're stressed out, it makes me stressed out. Mine hate loud noises like thunderstorms and fireworks, and sometimes they just don't want to be left home alone. To help keep your dogs calm in moments of stress, use Brave Paws Anxiety and Stress Support Chewables for dogs. These plant-based chewables promote calm behavior with natural ingredients that have been clinically studied. Did I mention they're fast-acting and non-drowsy? I especially love that the natural ingredients are sustainably sourced. How cool is that? Want to learn more? Check out mybravepaws.com. Your dog will be happy you did. Yeah, it's definitely um, tough in working with payment plans and, you know, advocating for pet insurance. I'm just going to slide that in there real quick. <laughs> that, that's a great, see, that's a great suggestion. Obviously, you know, you, you know, you know, the industry, of course, better than I do, but that's a great opportunity to say like, you know, this is an example of like why we really do recommend uh, pet insurance because it can be such a wise investment, you know, for down the road. And we know how important our pets and their health are to us and our families. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, you have a home, you have homeowner's insurance, you have a child, you get them in health insurance, you have health insurance, your car has car insurance. So it's only like another logical step that's you know, just needs to be more normalized that when you have a pet, you should get pet insurance because everything is costing more now. Inflation is insane. Even before that, you know, healthcare costs are ridiculous. Yeah. It's just something that needs to be put like put in front of pet parents more often that, you know, this is a really good option. I mean, even for myself as a doctor, I have it on my cat because, you know, stuff happens and I don't, necessarily have 10,000 in my bank account to put into a surgery either, but I know that he's covered. So I don't have to. Yeah. I mean, well, you you know, you talk about logic and when it comes to like the average consumer logic goes out the window, hopefully there's a teaching moment. Um, You know, I really wish we had gotten, my dog is six. I wish we had gotten him insurance when he was younger. Um, I mean, he's, he's healthy now, but he had, when he was like one, he had to have like a little growth removed from his shoulder. It was fine. It was, you know, you know, just a, like a little cyst or bump like dogs, you know, commonly get, but now, but now, you know, that obviously establishes like a pre-existing condition and like any future work in that area, which he's a retriever. So likely he's going to have some bumps, um, as he, as he ages, uh, you know, that's going to be more expensive. I, you know, I, I think stories like this are also important for the public. And if it gives a clinic a way to educate, but not lecture, because um, that's a fine line, right? Nobody wants you to know it all. But yeah, I mean, the public should be educated on that topic. If you're one of the doctors, maybe, God forbid, you're the doctor that handled this 
situation or it was your patient um, or, you know, you're in a different clinic and you have some sort of, you know, thing right on, like on you and your clinic, if you're that main doctor involved, you know, what kind of things um, should you do on your end? If you have any um, like social media or anything like that, what should an individual kind of work on in a crisis management? You know, that's a very good question. I mean, unfortunately that, you know, that happens and it's sad because there's families involved and these attacks can happen on Facebook and very public forums. Look, in the short term, especially if there's death threats and stuff, I think it's pretty wise to just de- de- you know, deactivate your Facebook. You don't need to delete it permanently. But I think, it, you know, you don't want photos of your, like, you know, people are crazy these days. And they'll, you know, they'll put photos of your kids online. And, you know, this is like what they're doing to educators right now, to teachers is, you know, trying to embarrass them publicly. I think you deactivate your Facebook is a wise idea. Make sure that your Instagram is private and that you only have like real followers just so someone doesn't just like send you a profile and you accept it just to have one more follower or something like that. You know, that's probably probably what I would do short term. I mean, one thing like I encourage any like, you know, entrepreneur or business owner is that these things, these things are typically short term. You know, they this story will go away. Other stories to, and of lesser degrees will also go away, but it helps to be, it helps to be proactive. We've worked with like veterinary groups. We've worked with dental groups. One thing that like we have found is that local media and like what we refer to as trade media. So like, right. All the, all the trade publications in the vet, in the vet world, like spend some time and contribute some articles to them. You know, everyone's looking for contributed content, online publishers, so then, you know, obviously for, 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 doc, for like, for Shannon, if someone were to search you, I would much rather see you featured in, you know, some like trade publication or in the local media talking about five reasons why you should consider pet insurance. And then obviously don't cite the, the issue or anything negative or your own practice, but just give consumers five reasons. And that's the sort of proactive media that eventually the negative stuff will fade. You know, in some situations, like if, again, if you don't respond and you really draw it out, then all of a sudden the story the story goes national. You know, now that you know you're going to rec- you probably want to hire a firm at that point to like help you bury it. But for the majority of like crisis communications issues, I think the the individual themselves like they can be proactive coming out of it. And that also mitigates for the future. You know, does you and your team, or do you know of? any sort of courses or continuing education content for crisis management that, you know, a clinic could bring back to their team and probably should, you know, educate everybody that works there on, you know, how to, um, you know, when they identify something going wrong, when they might be contacted by a reporter, you know, what kind of things to do um, in order so that everyone is on the same page and they can handle it. Yeah, there's plenty of websites out there, you know, PR News, PR Daily, Bulldog, I'm a Reagan, which is PR Daily. I'm sure I'm omitting a few uh, a few good ones out there, and I don't mean to. O'Dwyer's. I'm sure they have some webinars. You know, there's courses that are I forget what the name of them are, but you can get courses for like ten bucks, twenty bucks. I would just be careful about what you look for. Like a lot of courses, the crisis communications are going to be more geared to like celebrity or to hotel. Try to find something that's like specific to professional services or to like bricks and or to like bricks and mortar businesses, because crisis communications is such like a broad topic that I would hate for 
like any you know uh, clinic owner or practitioner or employee to like buy something for 500 bucks and then it's about like how to get out of a political jam because that's like what people always you know what i mean it would just be a waste of your time but yeah there's plenty there's plenty of resources out there and people do webinars and stuff like that okay yeah that's awesome because you know having everyone uh aware that these things can happen is i think definitely helpful so that you can be more prepared and quicker in your response definitely definitely i mean you know speed speed transparency and like authenticity are everything oh communication is like the root of all everyone's problems is just miscommunication (laughs) i feel like every time you know either between two people or between an entity in the public or, you know, whoever the two sides will be, it's usually some sort of miscommunication that, you know, makes people angry because it's like a a telephone game. By the time you get to the other end, it has nothing to do with what the first, what the first person said, you know, it gets completely misconstrued. Well, that's what happens if you're not responsive and you're not clear is that this, this story like gets away, you know, gets away from itself. Yeah, it runs wild because they don't have anything to go off of from you. So everyone just, you know, extrapolates. That's why it's just so it's just so important to have a process in place. Like I'm sure, you, you know, like in certain instances when a statement comes out days or even like a week later, I am certain that when that business group is sitting together and thinking about it months down the road, one of the first things they're thinking or saying is, I wish we had done that sooner. Because and, and because instead, like the whole like, let's not respond and see if it goes away, um, especially when you're talking about pets, you know, like that is just too dangerous and too risky to to bank on um, animal lovers, uh, not like maintaining a passion for, for something. Right. Yeah. And negative news is a big seller. So if they have a big negative story about animals, it's definitely going to catch fire. Negative news is the only seller. Yeah. It's terrible. Exactly. <laughs> I know it's so bad, but you know, it's, it was surprising because this clinic was under um, one of the larger corporate umbrellas. So I'm surprised their response or lack of response um, and that they didn't have something in place. So now I, <laughs> I hope that clinics large and small that are listening to this need to make sure that, you know, if you're running a clinic for a bigger company or corporation that you make sure, you know, you have your butts and your people's butts covered for all that stuff. And that, you know, the company has a policy for that. Absolutely. Preparation is everything in these situations. And, you know, for us, when we get a call and it's got any sort of crisis communications implications, my first question is, is always going to be like, when is this happening? And if they say, any day now, or if they say next week, or if they say, well, we think it's going to be in a few weeks, like maybe it's something they know is coming, right? Like those are all scenarios that like, okay, let's jump into action here. However, if it's uh, like today's Tuesday and it happened on Saturday, then it's like, well, we are way, way behind the eight ball. And often in small communities, if an individual or if a business like retains a PR firm five days after something happens, it just, you know, it shows that they weren't obviously weren't ready and the optics aren't great. You know, preparation and whether it's internal or external is key. You know, is there anything else that you would say in the preparation side um, or, you know, in your day-to-day communications, like things to, I guess you can't really prevent it, but to be able to communicate in such a way that 
you know, you're always trying to put your best foot forward, I guess, or, you know, trying to build positive reviews and positive press so that, you know, these big things are less likely to have an impact. You know, it's a, that's, a, I think, a good thing to, I guess, wind down on here. One of the best things that any business can do is to also just monitor um, for mentions. So open up Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and type in your clinic name, like literally clinic name or maybe the name of a doctor or something like that. And you're likely, I mean, depending on your size, you might see that like someone just like tweeted a photo from your lobby and, you know, it was like, Jinxie's all better now, something like that. And then you missed an opportunity to engage and turn them into like what we also refer to as a brand ambassador. So listening on social media is something I think a lot of, a lot of brands spend so much time in putting content out that they're not actually listening for mentions of their own brand. And, and by the way, in like a crisis communications, uh, maybe monitoring on Twitter, they would have seen that there was like something accumulating before the press reached out. And then, you know, maybe someone was tweeting at the press, right? Or like, or, you know, messaging like a certain local reporter and saying, hey, you got to look into this. Gives you, again, a conversation, an opportunity to prepare for and craft a response. Um, and also Google search. Just search like every, every clinic, every business, every, I almost think every individual, if you're public facing, should search for their company name or their individual name every single day. We do it at Fish Tank every single day to, and for a few of my colleagues, because we just want to be, we want to be very aware if there's like a mention about us, you know, for the most part, good, but we just would hate for something to be out there and us not know about it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Awareness is definitely key. Just so one last point is uh, in response to all the negative, there's a lot of negativity sent to the clinic, but then there was a lot of interfighting with veterinary professionals and their response and some of their, they were cyberbullying also. And I don't think that is appropriate or mature at all. Um, so just, re- just remembering, you know, you don't know how anything's going if you're not personally in that situation. So everyone's entitled to an opinion, but you really shouldn't be contributing to someone's probably emotional distress by adding to cyberbullying on either side is very, it was very unprofessional and very kind of disturbing to see everyone start fighting with each other over something that they weren't a primary witness to. Well, with like online fighting when it's personal between two people or, or like two or three people, I try to like get, you know, if you're right, like arguing with a fool, people from a distance can't tell who is who, right? Like that old saying, I think that that really applies when it comes to individual, like on like LinkedIn sniping and things of that nature. My clients have gotten into that too over the years. And I always tell them like, end the conversation on publicly in a cordial way and say, Hey, like, you know, I don't really want to argue or have like a negative discussion in public. I'm going to reach out to you privately and let's set up a call to talk through our differences. That tells everybody who can read that, that there's one mature person, at least. And it, and it ends the conversation. Because then if the other person keeps going, then it's like, okay, like that person's an, uh, uh, a bad person. I, I must, yeah. Yeah, it discredits their, their childish arguments. Yes, I agree. Exactly. So, you know, I try to, and there's times where, yeah, I've probably had like pub, you know, public discourse and regretted it like anybody else. But so I'm, I'm not at all saying I'm perfect on it, but I think professional from a professional world, you want to back up. Absolutely. And just 
you know, try to oh, think of things as level-headed human beings, which is not easy when it's fueled by emotions. <laughs> We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hey, this is Dr. Julio Alonso. Do you want to keep up with everything Vet Matt? Then check out my show on Vet Candy TV. We talk about clinical updates, science news, plus some of the coolest people in our profession. Stream at My Vet Candy 24-7 on YouTube, iTunes, and most other video platforms. Thank you, Eric, today for coming on the show and kind of giving us a toolkit to base our crisis management off of. And hopefully I don't see any more colleagues with negative press anytime soon. So thank you very much for your expertise. Yeah, of course. I, uh, I appreciate you having me on and a and, uh, good discussion. So thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you to all of our Vet Candy listeners today. I hope that you learn something very valuable and that you will implement it in your clinic or in your life today so that you are prepared. And Eric, where can everyone find you if they would like your assistance? Great. Um, My name is Eric Fishgrund, uh, last name F-I-S-C-H-G-R-U-N-D. I love LinkedIn. Please connect with me there. I think LinkedIn is the best exchange of professional and entrepreneurial um, ideas and, and advice. And then Fish Tank's website is fishtankpr.com. That's F-I-S-C-H-T-A-N-K-P-R.com. Uh, we're a public uh, public relations firm headquartered in New York, but um, as of the last two years with uh, uh, employees uh, all over the country. Awesome. Thank you so much. And for everyone listening, we will put his contact information in the notes. And that has been this episode of Vet Candy IRL. And I'm your host, Shannon Gregoire. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. It's Vet Candy Radio.